You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now. I'm starving. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. It's, of course, presented by DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams over the course of seven years. Long time ago now at this point, retired 15 years ago. But ever since then, a bunch of media gigs, got a bunch of podcasts. Kerry Collins, by the way, fantastic on today's Ross Tucker football podcast. Make sure you check that out. I'm sure Kerry had some pretty good fantasy seasons back in the day i know he put up a lot of numbers over his 17 year career you can check me out on social media love when you do at ross tucker nfl as well as the show at ross tucker pod and reminder we're doing a best ball draft next week and i'm beyond fired up about it at DraftKings. i'm just telling you right now there's still like four or five spots left i gotta check the first four or five people that take advantage of any of the sponsors on the sponsor page at RossTucker.com or get the free estimate at WestShoreHome.com slash Ross and send it send it to me, Ross at RossTucker.com. You're in. You're in the best ball draft against me and Joe next week. It's a live draft. Going to be awesome. Make sure, as soon as you're done listening to this, take advantage of a sponsor, game time app, whatever. Send it to me, Ross at RossTucker.com. First come, first serve at this point. Um, speaking of first come, first serve, there's nobody better than Joe Dolan. At FG underscore Dolan on social media, the website that he's a co-owner of, fantasypoints.com, is just incredible. It, it really is. I, I highly, highly recommend you go there, you sign up for a membership, a subscription, use the code 23FEAST, so you actually get a discount and they know that we sent you over there. And next week, Joe, will be all about best ball stuff. But last week, wrapped up the mini camps, wrapped up the OTAs. And as we always say during the preseason and during training camp, there are nuggets of information out there, Joe, to be mined that can be very valuable come draft time. For sure. I mean, look... uh... The thing you don't want to do is overreact too much, but you don't want to underreact. You just want to know what's going on. Um, I think I think the right term, Ross, is you want to have your ear to the ground um, and, and just keep keep understanding that if that drumbeat continues throughout preseason um, training camp and preseason, that there is plenty that you can learn from these. There's there's guys. We are not going to be talking, but I say this every single year, and I'm going to say it again. It's especially true at the running back position, but there are guys who we are not talking about in June, and there's guys who we will not talk about in July and August who are going to make a fantasy football impact this this season. It has happened every single year, and it is going to happen this year, but People who are there at training camp, people who are there at OTAs, they know about these players. And they're going to tell you about these players. Maybe subtly, they're not going to write an article sometimes maybe that says, oh, X guy that you have never heard of is going to have a breakout season. It doesn't always come like that. 
but sometimes you have to put the pieces together. And that doesn't mean you're going to be taking this guy in the ninth round of your draft in August, but it might mean that, hey, oh, this player got six catches in week one. I have to pick him up off the waiver wire. And if you understand that there have been a steady drumbeat about these players since May, since June, then it's going to put you ahead of your league mates. There's no doubt about that. So, Joe, this week we're going to focus on the AFC. Next week we'll focus on the NFC because there's a lot of news and notes out there that we need to get into. I will say this, just a little plug for fantasypoints.com. Man, they have a terrific summary that will be more in-depth and have more information than what Joe and I will talk through on today's show. So again, go over to fantasypoints.com. Use that code 23FEAST. You will be very, very happy that you did so. Um, Let's get, Joe, before we get to the AFC, though, we did have a transaction yesterday, so it's fresh. So let's discuss it. The Rams signed Sony Michelle back in L.A., or I guess still in L.A., just back with a different team. Should we care? Do we care? Does it matter? No. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, If the Rams, um, the beat writers were saying, you know, they were looking for a veteran backup to Cam Akers. And I think if you've been investing in Cam Akers, who to me still looks like one of the best values in early drafts, you know, we had that podcast a month or two months ago talking about boring running backs and, and, and how they ended up being the kind of league winners in 2022. I think in 2023, there is still a tier of running backs who are getting undervalued in some early drafts and early best ball drafts. And I think Cam Akers is part of that. If you are a believer in Cam Akers at his current ADP, which I, again, I think is too affordable, that the, the Rams signing Sony Michelle as opposed to somebody like Dalvin Cook is great news. Because if they're like, all right, we're going to sign Sony Michelle, who could be a grinder, who can handle a couple of carries if we need to give him a couple of carries, can handle goal line work, you know, when we're trying to put a game away. I think that's really good news for Cam Akers because Sony Michelle isn't anything more than a guy at this point. And, you know, he, he, he could barely get on the field last year with the Chargers. I think it's great news if, if you're into Cam Akers at, at his current ADP, which I am. Let's dive into some of the stuff with some of these different teams. I guess the question is, Joe, with the Buffalo Bills, is the Stephon Diggs issue, we'll call it, is that fantasy relevant? Yes and no. I still have him as a first rounder, but I did a couple of drafts yesterday where I drew the seventh pick in the draft. Um, just happened, just happened back to back that I drew the seventh pick and Stefan Diggs was on the board and I opted for AJ Brown in both of them. And I, I don't know, I don't know what your read on this situation is, Ross. I don't know if I have one. I guess Diggs was upset maybe about a coaching change in terms of his wide receiver coach, Chad Hall. He felt disrespected. It's not money related. So what is it? Like, it's a weird situation where I, I can't sit here and say, oh, they're just going to fix it with more money. Like the Lamar Jackson situation was fixed with more money. They're not going to trade him because it'd be a pretty huge cap hit and they'd be completely they'd be completely strapped at the wide receiver position because they don't have anybody else. So 
Stefan Diggs has leverage, but what does he want? I don't know what he wants. I guess they talk through it. It's it's fine now. Uh, this is one of the more bizarre situations. Out of what is your read on this situation, Ross? Yeah, I guess he's not happy with some of the the play calling and the direction of the offense. My f- personal favorite is when people say he just wants to win so badly, like as if all the other guys don't give a crap about whether or not they win. I mean, give me a break. Uh, for for our purposes, for fantasy purposes, Joe, it's not going to mean less targets. So I know. <laughs> he's he's yeah. not going to get less targets out of this deal. Um, let's keep it in the AFC East, and let's talk a little Brees Hall. You know, everybody gets these glowing reports, I feel like, about their rehab and their injury and their progress. To the point, Joe, where if anything's ever slower than you think it's going to be or a guy's not still on the field, if it's not glowing, glowing doesn't stand out to me, Joe. Anything less than glowing stands out to me. Yeah, they think he's going to be ready for week one. They have no reason to push him. But this continues to bring to mind the fact that the Jets have had interest in other running backs this offseason. And I think the most notable one was from the NFL draft where the Detroit Lions took Jameer Gibbs in the first round, which shocked everybody. And then we heard reports after the draft that the Jets were going to take Jameer Gibbs. That is, I don't want to, I don't want to say that it means that they're down on Brees Hall. I think maybe they just thought they had an opportunity to get a game changing player in Gibbs. But the fact that Breesall still isn't ready, he's coming off an ACL, does make this a little bit problematic in my mind. Um, maybe they drafted Izzy Abanaconda in the fifth round. That team's draft running backs on day three all the time, so I'm not going to say that that's a huge deal. But I just want to – if I'm drafting Breesall right now, I haven't done a ton of it. He's getting drafted in the third round. Um if they don't add a running back by the time camp breaks, then I'll I'll be a lot more comfortable drafting Brees Hall. Um, he apparently had just a standard ACL tear as opposed to what Javante Williams had and as opposed to what J.K. Dobbins had uh, two years ago, which is good news. But they could still take it easy with Brees Hall, who, by the way, was tracking to be the rookie of the year before he got hurt. He was fantastic. He was. But also, remember... Most guys aren't as good until the second year after they come back from a torn ACL. Just really, really hard to have that same level of explosion. So I'll be looking forward to that, just like I'll be looking forward to some Labatt Blue Lights all weekend with my friends and family living life to the power of we. Nothing's better than doing a best ball draft like Joe and I will do with some of you Next week, drinking Labatt Blue Lights. Always enjoy responsibly beer. Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Joe, let's move on to the AFC North. Because I've got not one, but two interesting things out of Baltimore. Number one, J.K. Dobbins is in a little bit of a contract issue here with the Ravens. Played very well towards the end of the year. You got you to take me through the J.K. Dobbins thing again, Joe. Because, like, early in the year, he didn't look like the same guy. He wasn't playing as much. Then Lamar's out towards the end of the year. Dobbins looked really good. 
And I don't blame him for trying to get whatever money he can now while he can. So this, I don't blame him at all. I just don't know if the Ravens are going to acquiesce. And this is going to be one of those things where um, we, we get into the age old discussion of running back value. And if running backs should be held to a different standard, I, 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 ultimately, I wonder if they, on a big picture level, if this is going to come to a boiling point soon with the position. Um, that's more of an Andrew Brandt question. Um, the thing about Dobbins was if you're optimistic on him, the reasoning is simple. From weeks three to six last year, which were his first four games um, back from the injury, he averaged just 3.5 yards per carry, and he generated an explosive run on only 5.7% of his carries. But after that, he he missed six games, um, needed a cleanup procedure on the same injured knee. But when he returned in week 14, he was a different player, Ross. He averaged 7.0 yards per carry and led the league over that span with a 12.3% explosive run rate. So J.K. Dobbins, not only was he good when he came back from that cleanup procedure, he was downright explosive. Now, we still had that hitch in his giddy-up. I, I think everybody's going to remember that long run he had against the Steelers where it looked like he was kind of dragging his knee behind him. He looked like Greg Jennings in that Madden video. But he still was generating those explosive runs. Right now, I have J.K. Dobbins well ahead of markets. Um, but the fact that he is holding in is interesting to me. I don't blame him whatsoever the Ravens are probably sitting here saying, dude, and, and I mean, I'm just trying to, I, I support J.K. Dobbins trying to get his money, but the Ravens are probably sitting here saying, you gave us four good games, like, you got to show us a little bit more. Maybe he's maybe he just doesn't want to get hurt again. He wants to maximize his earning potential. But I, I, ultimately, I think Dobbins is going to be suiting up for the Ravens come week one, uh, whether or not he gets more money. I think the Ravens probably want to see a little bit more of him before they give him more money. I am currently still ahead of markets on J.K. Dobbins right now. I was very encouraged by how he ended the season. I'm very encouraged by the reports that Todd Monken, the new offensive coordinator, wants to um, wants to involve the running backs more in the passing game this year. I mean, the Raven running backs basically did nothing in the passing game. Gus Edwards didn't even catch a single pass last year. So I think that's that's good news for J.K. Dobbins' fantasy outlook, um, but in a very interesting situation. When I saw that he wasn't practicing, I was initially very concerned. I'm like, uh-oh, we know this guy had a severe knee injury, but the fact that he's basically just holding out for more money was actually encouraging to me. We don't want guys holding out, but I'd rather that than J.K. Dobbins being injured. What about... Lamar Jackson saying they're gonna he's gonna run less, throw more. Is that good for his fantasy, Joe? Doesn't seem like it. Well, we have to t- keep in mind what Lamar Jackson has done for fantasy the last couple of years, and he frankly hasn't been great. He's finished as a top ten fantasy quarterback in just ten per. Excuse me, in less than half of his starts over the last two seasons. He's accounted over the last two seasons, which is 24 regular season starts for just 33 touchdown passes and five rushing touchdowns. Now keep in mind when he won the MVP in 2019, he accounted for 43 touchdowns alone in that season. So there was something broken about the Greg Roman offense. So I I don't really care about Lamar Jackson running last first and foremost, Lamar Jackson's never going to 
to be Philip Rivers, okay? He's never going to be somebody who's going to stand in the pocket and run for 12 yards in a season. That's not his game. And I wouldn't expect Todd Monken to do that. But what the differences in this offense, to me, are a positive because they were too tight to the formation. They were too predictable. Todd Monken's going to spread things out. He's going to create more throwing lanes for Lamar. He's going to create more running lanes for J.K. Dobbins. And I think he's going to create more running lanes for Lamar Jackson. Yeah, okay, so maybe he doesn't run for 1,200 yards. We don't need him to run for 1,200 yards. I need more touchdowns from the Baltimore Ravens. And Lamar Jackson has just 33 touchdown passes over the last two seasons. That is not enough for anybody, um, even a running quarterback like Lamar. He's not Jalen Hurts. He's not that bull at the goal line who's going to be their goal line back. So we need more touchdowns in general. I am optimistic about the Ravens' new offense. I'm still not sure how optimistic we should be about this receiving core. I mean, it's different. They certainly made some moves, but Rashad Bateman's still hurt. Odell Beckham hasn't played in over a year. Zay Flowers is a rookie. So I I think it's still fair to be skeptical about the Ravens receiving group, but there's no doubt they've made some needed changes. And I'm more optimistic about this offense than than I was the last two years under Greg Roman. Let's talk about a couple tight ends. We don't talk about tight ends that often, Joe, but a lot of love this spring for Irv Smith in Cincinnati and Greg Dulcich in Denver. You know, I'm a best ball guy. You know, which guy would be a better pick for me? I know we're going against each other next week, but in best ball, in your mind, to take a flyer on Dulcich or Smith? Dulcich by far for me. Um, I think Irv Smith, Irv Smith is going to be your classic um, touchdown dependent tight end to me. Um, I'm talking like a good season for him would be like 45 catches and six touchdowns, which by the way, I mean, those guys are useful for fantasy, especially DFS or off the waiver wire. But I think Dulcich has an opportunity to be more of a go-to guy with Denver. And here's the thing about Denver. We, we look at their receivers. Oh, they got Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Cortland Sutton hasn't been good in like three years. And Jerry Judy, as much as I like him, and I'm drafting Jerry Judy this year, by the way, at his ADP, has never, never been great for fantasy. It's just more been an idea of him. Oh, he's this great route runner who always gets open, but he never gets the ball. Because of quarterbacks, because he's dropping the ball, because he's hurt, whatever the reason, he doesn't get the ball as much as we think he should, dependent uh, um, uh, based on his route running proficiency. So I look at Greg Dulcich and I look at um, Sean Payton and the way he's, he utilized a guy like Jimmy Graham. And I'm not saying Greg Dulcich is Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham was a freak of freaks at his peak. But I look at that and look, if I'm looking at, if I'm asking myself a question, 99th percentile outcome for Greg Dulcich and Irv Smith. Irv Smith doesn't have, oh, he's his team's best receiver in his range of outcomes. Because they have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. The only way Irv Smith is his team's best receiver is if those guys suffer catastrophic injuries. Greg Dulcich has that in his range of outcomes. Because, again, Cortland Sutton hasn't been great in a number of years, and Jerry Judy still has not taken that step to Pro Bowl, All-Pro level wide receiver. So Greg Dulcich, to me, has a much higher ceiling in his range of outcomes than Irv Smith. So I'm more excited about Greg Dulcich. He's only going a couple of tight end spots ahead of Irv Smith. I I like Greg Dulcich more than a couple of guys who are going ahead of him, like Dalton Schultz, who's just kind of a chain mover. 
Um, Cole Komet's going ahead of him. I think I like Dulcich more than, than, than him. So Greg Dulcich is one of my favorite targets at the tight end position right now. Joe, best ball on DraftKings bigger than ever with $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes up for grabs. For a limited time, you can join DraftKings' largest best ball contest ever. Get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars as soon as the draft is finished. What are you waiting for? Head to the DraftKings app, sign up with code ROSS, and start playing best ball today. Join the DraftKings $10 million best ball tournament, and you'll get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars only on DraftKings with code ROSS. And remember, take advantage of any sponsor on the sponsor page at RossTucker.com or click on the link in any social media post or on the bio. It'll take you to our sponsors. Take advantage of one ASAP. Forward me the email, Ross at RossTucker.com. Joe and I want to take you guys down in best ball fantasy next week. Joe, what about what we're hearing from Jacksonville? Seems pretty clear they want to reduce Travis Etienne's workload and also seems pretty clear that Calvin Ridley's looking pretty darn good. The thing about Etienne is I don't care if they reduce his workload on the ground if they increase it through the air. I'll go to the old adage that our Scott Barrett has proven. In PPR Fantasy, which DraftKings best ball is, by the way, a target is worth 2.5 times as much as a carry for a running back. I want Travis Etienne to catch more passes. He didn't catch more than three passes in any game last year. So if they drafted Tank Bigsby to handle some of that early down work and they're able to get Travis Etienne more work in the passing game, so be it. Um, now, you might be worried that they're not going to be able to get that to him, and then in which case you're, you're going to argue that he's being overdrafted right now. Fair enough, but if ETN gets less carry, excuse me, fewer carries. Sorry, mom. If he gets fewer carries uh-huh. and more and more targets, I'm fine with them reducing his workload because I want more targets. I don't want him to be a grinder. I want him to be an explosive playmaker. Calvin Ridley's interesting. Calvin Ridley right now is going a round or two, two rounds ahead of Christian Kirk, and. I've thought that hasn't made sense because we know Christian Kirk has had a big-time fantasy season with Trevor Lawrence. We don't know that Calvin Ridley has had one. Calvin Ridley hasn't played football in over a calendar year for obvious reasons, um, sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, And I still think he's one of the best receivers in football from a route-running perspective, from a separation perspective. So I'm not against Calvin Ridley at his ADP. I just think Christian Kirk might be a little bit of a better value. The the one guy I've been investing in here, though, has been Trevor Lawrence, who I think is fantastic, is a fantastic buy for fantasy. I would like to see him do a little bit more with his legs, but he had a fantastic second half of last year under Doug Peterson. He has an improved receiving core. He's got an improved backfield behind him. Um, maybe Travis Etienne can do more as a receiver, and then in which case... Uh, Trevor Lawrence ends up being one of the best values at the quarterback position, though his his ADP is getting juiced up right now. There's no doubt about that. In about 45 seconds, Joe, there's a lot of hype coming out of Tennessee for both Tajay Spears and Traylon Burks from the Titans. Which one of those, if or if any, are you buying? Well, I'm, I'm buying Traylon Burks, and 
Um, Spears, Spears is interesting just because you wonder how much of a shelf life he has because of the fact that he's had, uh, essentially there were medicals that he had no ACL in one of his knees um, because it's been injured, but the Titans weren't bothered. They took him in the third round. Um, He's more of a handcuff to me. Traylon Burks, look, Ryan Tannehill doesn't have, right now, DeAndre Hopkins hasn't signed there yet. He hasn't signed anywhere. Um, Ryan Tannehill doesn't have many options right now. So Traylon Burks is the guy I'm buying in in, in Tennessee. Um, He and Chig Conquo are both good buys, especially Conquo to me, um, because Tennessee doesn't have many options, and it's good to see that Traylon Burks is getting some hype. I'm buying a subscription to FantasyPoints.com using the code 23FEAST. And thankfully, unlike you guys, I don't have to buy any sponsor code to be in the best ball draft. I'm already in it. Joe's in it. We want to go against you. There's nothing more fun than a best ball draft. Who wants in? You tell me. Send me the email, ross at rosstucker.com. Other than that, I'm stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, rosstucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.